Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for stopping by to this week's Red Voices. Sorry we haven't been around much over the last couple of weeks, but that's purely because we have been recording after every game just to provide some sort of up-to-date reaction on what has been a rather interesting couple of weeks, shall we say, for United. So we start off with myself and Rich discussing the Palace game, and then we've got myself and James after Liverpool. Uh, things take a bit of a turn, as you can imagine, with the severe game with Rich last week. And then Phil and myself recorded this evening uh, in the wake of our FA Cup quarterfinal victory over Brighton. Bit of a mixed bag, as you can appreciate over the last few weeks but I hope you enjoy it. And without any further ado, I guess let's get right to it. Richard, how are you? Not too bad in the end. All, all's well that ends well, didn't it? I mean, it was never really in any doubt, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, it was a thoroughly dominant performance from the first to the last minute. United were worthy winners. Now, even at 2-0, I fully had faith in us, in our ability to return <laughs> from that deficit and come back with that Thunderbass. I'd actually called it ahead of time, so I don't really understand mm. where all the criticism was coming from. No, no, it was just it was just wonderful. Absolutely. Hashtag believe. Oh, good grief. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> this optimism could be drained completely by the time we get to the second half of this week's episode, considering that we've got Liverpool coming to Old Trafford on Saturday lunchtime. But I'm going to just try and bask in what we've just seen, because what an absolutely ridiculous game of football United served up this evening. I mean, as Bad as that first, what, 45, 50, 60 minute was, that last half hour was absolutely entertaining as heck. And what a wonderful, wonderful way to win a game of football that we really did our best not to win for large chunks of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, th- I should say, this, I don't think there's anything better in, in football than a comeback and winning a game in injury time with a 25 or what, a 25 to 30 yard thundercracker, particularly... You know the sound of the noise when that went in was just absolutely amazing. I think I think we'll obviously talk about the, we'll obviously talk about the negatives, but the the positives were very much that we won the game in the best way possible. And and there's a, another really nice goal from Romelu Lukaku, who I thought was one of our better players. And Matic just did what he does once a season, and wasn't it wonderful? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, it was. The worst thing about that goal for me was that I was in the middle of tweeting criticism of Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> and missed his contact with the ball. So I looked up and saw that there'd been a ridiculous shot and then saw it hit the back of the net and then suddenly jumped off the sofa. So I I'm, I'm, I'm missed, you know, the, the moment of glory, to be fair, but what a wonderful way to win it. Yeah, let's go back to the start of the game because we've, we've, we've basked in the glory of that wonderful goal for long enough. It's been about a minute. Just, again, we're going to have to try and temper criticism of this game with the fact that we have now come back from at least one goal deficit in our last two games typically in situations when Mourinho, at least, and definitely in the post-Ferguson landscape that we struggled to deal with. But by that same token, United really had such a torrid goddamn first half. It was so difficult to watch. And, you know, the way we went down to that Andros Townsend strike, you know, you think about Benteke sort of striding through, Valencia miles away, pulling Smalling out of position. No one really anywhere near Townsend for that first initial shot. Lindelof turning his back on the ball and deflecting it past De Gea. Terrible, terrible start. And things, as you mentioned on Twitter, we really didn't respond to it. We went behind and we were still playing at quite a pedestrian pace. You know, we didn't really pick anything up. We were really struggling to weave passes together. Sanchez and Pogba were misplacing, you know, simple touches. And any time we had some serious possession, we were giving it away. You know, you think back to Asher Young being free maybe twice in excellent positions on that left flank and... But Lingard and Sanchez refusing to pass to him because they didn't have a look up. Just such a disorganised and discombobulated first half, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the fact that we've actually ultimately won the game doesn't really change 
the criticisms that we have as a performance, um, and it's and, and it's not just one performance. And what we've seen throughout the season is that when United play against teams that are tired, when when those teams are stretched, then we can be very very effective, which is really what happened tonight. Palace ultimately ran out of legs. United cranked up the pressure, and because we've got very talented individuals in forward areas. We, we will score goals in those circumstances. The problem is that when a team is is compact, presses us hard from the start of a game, breaks forward quickly, we just don't know how to we don't know how to respond to it. We're open defensively. The first ten or fifteen minutes at the back were just calamitous, weren't they? Really, I mean, Lindelof and Smalling didn't really seem to know where they were. I mean, it was just it was just awful, wasn't it? I don't leave anybody out out of the criticism. Really, it was just the first half was just forty five minutes in which not one of our players managed to even reach par I don't think just simple passes I mean we saw Sanchez passing to an advertising hoarding and Pogba must have given the ball away you know 10 times you know under very little pressure in that first half it's, it's difficult to know what we do in training <laughs> some of the time you know it's the same against Chelsea last week you know really didn't play well in the first half at all really only started to get improved and put some pressure on in the second and so we're just we're kind of putting in half performances and I think some some of the time when you're playing against teams that are quite low on confidence and low on quality you can get away with it because ultimately the quality will bring you the result but when you're playing against a side that's more than just energy then you're really going to have a problem so I think to a degree United have got out of jail the last couple of weeks with those comebacks at least I would say we were actually getting going at some point in the game you know I think there's two two comebacks amongst the first that we've actually had under Mourinho Certainly, had very few of them under Mourinho. So to have done it twice in two games, you know, is is clearly a positive in terms of the mental strength of the players. Hmm. I mean, that's. Uh, I think it's six in total now that we've uh, game, right. well, games that we've won when we've come from behind, which is not a remarkable number. But the fact that we've done it twice in a week, that's nothing to be sniffed at. You know, Chelsea no. were us levels of bad in a big game at <laughs> the Etihad on Sunday. Good grief. But still, had just come off a very, very good and disciplined performance against Barcelona, who are, you know, at the moment, probably the team to beat on the continent. It's not a result to be sniffed at last weekend. And tonight, considering just how bad we were for that 45 minutes to an hour, again, I don't think you can turn your nose up at the performance or the goals or the three points. You know, but what you can turn your nose up was the defending. I mean, that second goal... You could see from Mourinho when he was talking to Sky Sports after the game, you know, how annoyed he was with that goal. And cool, like it is, it was terrible. It was absolutely schoolboy in terms of the application. United just clearly asleep. They weren't expecting it. And Van Aanholt just strolled straight in and picked a spot on De Gea's right. And there it is, 2-0. A couple of minutes after Rashford had just come on and had a really positive effect, United's deficit has been doubled and it was a really really poor start to second half where United at least for the first 60-70 seconds or so looked like they could actually do something you know Rashford was actually running at people and it was having some effect not only that he was running at people and holding on to the ball which was a really rare concept for that first half and the reward came eventually it it came from an unlikely source (laughs) an, an Antonio Valencia cross to Mike Smalling which just not a really regular thing, is it really, Rich? Yeah, and it was well dispatched, yeah. to be fair. I was worried when he didn't go for the near post that he basically just sliced it completely wide of goal, but he got it in. Yeah. Fair play to him. And that is his best contribution of the night, perhaps, season, because oh, I, I, I just don't want to see Lindelof and Smalling. Yes, well, 
plenty of clearances but the thing is is that Smalling is just not very good at footballer with the ball at his feet and that's quite a clear com- it's quite an important and key component to a, a, a defender's game I would feel mm. and just those two together you can tell that Lindelof doesn't really have much faith in Smalling really does he and that translates to anxiety on his part and Lindelof is probably the best footballer that we have in terms of our centre backs. So when he's playing with someone that's that's you know not a bit jittery, as Smalling almost certainly is, that almost seems to rub off on him. And now we've got Bailly back. I just want that transition to happen smoothly and ideally quickly because it's not doing me or United any good. No, it's, it's interesting that um that the Mourinho hasn't started Bailly in the last couple of games. Well, I, I wonder it's either whether he doesn't think he's fit enough to start play to play ninety minutes or to play the majority of a game, or or he's just saving him for Saturday. Well, it could be that as well, but but it could also be that that, that we're at a point where almost every game is really important, and whilst the whilst the Lindelof Smalling partnership is isn't the most confidence building partnership we've had, I guess they are at least up to pace. Oh, what am I saying? They're not, are they? <laughs> Any partnership, any partnership with Chris Smalling in is it is not up to pace with the requirements of the top of the Premier League. Pace is not a word I would use to describe any partnership with Chris Smalling. No, it's not. It's not. It's interesting what you were saying about Valencia's cross earlier on. United are a team this season that because we play with wide players who cut, who generally cut inside. You know, Sanchez are all, is, is always coming in off the left wing and sort of driving into the middle. And if, if you've got Matter on the right hand side, he he really does the same thing. We really rely on the fullbacks for for width. You know, that's 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 got to be our, our principal weapon out wide. But that that was um, that was Valencia's first assist of the Premier League season, which I guess rather tells you how effective that 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 plan of us using our fullbacks as our width actually is. You know, I think there was a talking point tonight as to whether continually playing young at left back was a good idea. And I think that when when Shaw came on, it, we just had more balance. I think this, you know, to, to his credit, Mourinho changed the game with, with those substitutions. Matter made a difference on the right hand side, and, and, and Shaw just came on and provided some balance on that left hand side. And if you've got if you've got Shaw with naturally left footed coming forward and a and a player who stays relatively wide on the left, which Rashford really did after he came on, then you start to ha- you know have have some really dangerous weapons on the on the flank. But but the problem the problem we have a lot of the time is that we just don't we simply have no penetration on the flank because the fullbacks aren't doing their job. I mean I thought all, all three all three of those subs made a big a big difference to our performance. It's just very hard watching a defence which is made up of two two sort of relatively average wingers and and two rather precarious centre backs. <laughs> yeah, it it just needs to stop. It, it can't carry on. You know, if we're going to have serious ambitions of doing something this season and beyond, then it just has to get better than that. There's just really no other way around it. You know, you think back to you know we'll, we'll jump ahead and we'll come back to the Lukaku goal. But you, I just looking at the replay for the Hayes save again saved our backsides. All right, he could have done better for the second goal, but. Nine out of ten goalkeepers are not going to stop that header from Benteke. You know he judged the bounce superbly and got the ball away from a danger area where the rebound could have been possible. Superb work. Neither Lindelof or Smalling were on him. He was in the middle of them, and no one knew what was going on. I just don't feel confident with the two of them together, and it just can't be allowed to go on. You know, it it's an affront, <laughs> but it just needs to stop. It's no good. 
But then again, you know, you look at the way that United battled back into that game and I've got to take some pride in it. You know, you, you've got to be satisfied with that evening's work because ultimately I don't necessarily think we really deserve to get a result out of that for the majority of that game. No. And you look back to performances like Sanchez, who, especially in that second half, when Palace were penned in, the way that he was taking the ball on passing and trying to surge forward and then losing the ball and then costing us a counter-attack was really, really worrying. And I know that he's in the team to try and run at people and take risks, and we know he's going to lose the ball. But the way that he was losing it was exceptionally, exceptionally dangerous, and it just didn't pan out the entire night. He had a really, really poor game, and I'm still not sure if he slotted into this side at the moment as well as we were hoping. But then you contrast that, as you said, with Mata coming on, who came on, put himself about, always in the right place, and used the ball very well and intelligently. Like We know he can. And again, you know, you can say that in comparison with Sanchez because the difference was so stark. But Mata came on and he made a difference. He was sewing up that attack. And it was what we needed at that point because we didn't really have much control when we actually were getting forward. And that was really, really key. And as you mentioned there, you know, Ashley Young came off and Luke Shaw came on. And instantly we've got a bit more of a presence down at left flank, which we didn't really have throughout the what, 60, 70 minutes prior to that. And those substitutions made some big difference. Yes, Mourinho definitely, definitely deserves credit for those substitutions and for the changes that they brought. But I think it actually throws into sharper light that starting eleven. You know, the hope for United for Saturday is the fact that Liverpool's back four is, I don't think, is much better than ours. So if we can actually put pressure on them, and we've got a guy in Lukaku who's playing, I think, as well now, in terms of his all-round game and, and the composure in his finishing, as well as he's he's played since he's been at United. I think if you give him chances, he's in the sort of form where he will take them. I mean, mm. I, I haven't talked about the second goal, second United goal tonight, but that was a really, really composed, well-taken finish. Because a couple of months ago, he just slashed at that and hit the first defender. But the way he took it, he just waited. He he, he waited till the right moment to, to get the shot away was and just you know, perfectly struck it past it, past the keeper. So I, mean, I think he's our secret weapon on Saturday. Hmm. I mean, no, it's not a secret, really, isn't he? Well, he's not. He's not he's secret, very, very good he, at scoring goals. Lukaku being good at football again is, yeah, is the secret. Yeah. Sorry, gone. Yeah, what a shock. Yeah, I love watching Lukaku at the moment. Even if not everything comes off, you know, I think there was a cross towards the far post that neither Rashford or Sanchez were particularly bothered about committing to. He's still working so hard, and. You just compare it to last season under Ibrahimovic where we were just passing to him and he was dropping deeper and it was so stagnant in attack. All right, our attacking play hasn't necessarily taken on another life at the moment, but it's a damn sight more interesting. At least there's more movement. And you look at the Kaku, he's just yeah. getting himself about and it's so nice to see. He's live to what's going on. He's getting involved. He's not stuck rigidly to the centre forward position. He will drift out wide every now and then when the occasion demands it which is great because it does give defenders more problems. And the way that he took the goal was absolutely superb. The way that he actually managed to get the shot off, given the amount of attention and pressure it was under, was brilliant. You know, the, the way he's got, what, two or three defenders nearby? The fact that he was able to get a shot off in those close quarters is excellent. And he was fully deserving of that goal. He's on a real good streak at the moment. And you can think back to where he was towards the end of 2017. It's a real nice turnaround for him. And I guess you can say from that point onwards, you know, just prior to that, Matic had a goal uh, correctly not given, uh, thanks to video technology, uh, due to Benteke clearing it on the line. And then there was that wonderful save from De Gea. And then United 
looking like chances had almost dried up. You know, Sanchez doing his thing, which was driving me nuts of taking the ball on, running at defenders, and then it was breaking up, and then we were getting broken on again and again and again. It was hurting my eyes. And then Pogba has a deflected shot. Matic sticks his leg up, lets it bounce twice, and then unleashes that, that thing. beyond Wayne Hennessy. Now, Wayne Hennessy had had a bit of an awkward night all evening in the sense that he had struggled to deal with basically any ball that came into the box. I'm surprised he didn't really do more with that. And he had a, you know, he didn't have a terrible night by any stretch of the imagination, but he had absolutely no chance with that shot. What a wonderful, wonderful way to end it. And apart from maybe Martial against Liverpool, I don't think you're going to score many goals better than that for your first goal for your club. He does those one season, doesn't he? Or, or, or certainly, my certainly in my mind, he does. He did it, did it at Wembley against Spurs, didn't he? Absolutely pearled on into the top corner. I, I'm surprised he doesn't do it more. I mean, you know, we, we were at the Benfica game when he hit the shot that came back off the you know, really good strike that came back off the post and in off the off the uh, off the keeper. So he's got a good shot on him, but he, he doesn't seem to utilise it or utilise it well enough. But when he gets it right, he really gets it right. I think there was I, I was listening. We were both just watching the um, aftermath on, on TV. And um, I think one of the panel in the studio was saying that perhaps Hennessy could have done slightly better with it. But I think if you look at it again, I don't think he saw it straight away. And it was, you know, it was, it was bending away from him right into the, into the corner. I think it was just a really exceptional strike. And I don't think there's a goalie not called David De Gea who would have saved it in the Premier League. No. Because Dave, Dave is the, Dave is, Dave is the best. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think they've done Hennessy, well, sorry, they've done Matic a bit of a disservice by saying that Hennessy could have done better with that because the way that ball is curving away from him and the way that it's looped up and then comes down, it's so difficult to save that. You have to have pinpoint accuracy to try and stop that. And it was just a brilliant shot. You know, you get one of those, as you yeah, said, every once in a year, every now and then. If, if that, if you're lucky. You know, that's the goal that Pogba's been trying to score all season to a certain extent and it's not quite come off. Um but a wonderful way to win it. And I think that gives us a good, much needed bit of optimism going into the game against Liverpool, considering that we've now leapfrogged them back up into second place. You know, City obviously strolling away necessarily with the title. So I guess it's it's of massive importance that we were able to strike that blow ahead of the game against Liverpool because it has taken on another context now. It is at the moment because Arsenal are being left in the dust and Chelsea now are nine points behind us. There's some daylight there, and the top four is now at last starting to take shape. So to give ourselves a good chance of staying there, it was really vital that we won this game. And last season, we could have potentially lost a game akin to that, even though we beat Palace with another late goal by Ibrahimovic last season in the same fixture. It was just so nice to see us get through that game with the three points, considering that for large chunks of it, we just were not at the races. And I don't think it points to a sea change, but I think it points to a couple of signs of positivity that there's more fight in this United side than we initially gave it credit for, perhaps? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't see, as you said, the gap to Chelsea's nine points now. I think Mourinho would probably say that if we finish in the top four this season, then whether we like the football we're playing or whether we think that we're progressing in a, in a tactical sense, he can say, well, we've improved in a points in a literal sense in the league and get away with that. So... So I think I think we've got a bit of breathing space now. I just cannot see Chelsea coming back from from nine points behind us. When was the last time we came back from two goals down to win a football match? It's quite a long time. I mean, can you remember? <laughs> Apart no. from the Chelsea game, obviously. 
Ever? Think, you know, mid- it might middle, be the first sp- time you've ever done it. I'm not sure. I'll have to check. First time it ever. might be the first I mean, time. <laughs> I, the middles, you know, people will always remember the middles we game from last season, but I, you know, there are not too many that that would stick in the mind like like the Palace game tonight. So yeah, I mean, certainly that going goal down and not winning games is something that we'd almost got into a habit of doing. So if you've done it twice in a week, is, is a definite positive. I think the team, whatever whatever people say, this talk about players not trying or strolling about or whatever. I think they're trying the hardest. I think that the effort's there, the, and I think there there is a, a certain amount of sort of steely determination and character in in the team. You know, we've got some players who've won some big stuff. It's just, I think, a case of finding the right balance and getting the best out of those players when a game isn't open. The most pressing, one of the one of the most pressing issues is, as you said, trying to find a role for for Sanchez. And what we can say is that ultimately Sanchez will get better. I mean, let's be honest; it can't be worse. And you know, we've won, we've won, the, we've won the last two games in a, in a, we've won the last two games in a, in a really positive way when he's been playing really badly. If Mourinho can work out how to get a tune out of him, then I think again our attack becomes even more potent, and I think we can win a lot more games for sure. Well, that I guess leads us nicely into having a nice casual slash worried glance ahead of uh, Liverpool on Saturday. Quick score prediction, Rich, and a couple of thoughts before we round off for this first half. What do you reckon? I think it could be a two-all. I mean, that'd be fine. The thing is, United can afford to not win this game, and I think that suits yeah. Jose absolutely down to the ground. Spurs most likely are going to beat Bournemouth away on Sunday, so United can almost aff- just about afford to take a free hit if they draw this game, I guess. And I, as I said, that, I yeah. think that suits Jose absolutely down to the ground. I'm sure he'd love nothing more than to be there to me a football this weekend. Chelsea did a very good job of taking that title away from us this weekend. I'm pretty sure I'll have that back in an absolute flash. And to be fair, if that happens, that will be six Premier League games on the trot that Liverpool haven't beaten us. And I guess that's a mild cause for celebration. We're, we're, we're talking very dangerously here. Let's just see how that pans out in the second half of this week's episode, shall we? Absolutely. I, I, oh, I, God. I just cross my fingers and pray. Oh, it makes me sick every single time. We'll see how we go. Well, that was an unexpectedly positive start to that aforementioned massive week then. Uh, Sunday night, and James is my company tonight, so we can get all warm and gooey about that 2-1 win over Liverpool. Jim! Jiminy, Jiminy, Jim, Jim, Jim. What was that? That was rather wonderful, I thought, wasn't it? Most unexpected, I thought, but just gave you that warm feeling at the end of the... And relief, to be honest, at the end of the end of the day that, um, yeah, we'd, we'd done the business and beaten those um, those friends from down the road quite comprehensively, I thought. Indeed. And playing the sort of football that everybody wants us to see, which is dour, defensive, but in the first half, just brilliant. So I'll take that every time over Klopp's heavy metal rubbishy football. Yeah, a funny one, wasn't it? Purely because Klopp talking about how if Mourinho doesn't win any trophies then his methods aren't working. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether or not that was deliberate shithousery considering that his last trophy uh, won in management was in 2014 and that was, I believe, the German equivalent of the Community Shield. But there we go, I'm focusing too much on a very unimportant part of the whole narrative around that game. God, that was good. It was... Surprising purely because we know Mourinho likes to pull those performances out of the bag. We know that he will exploit weaknesses of defences if he can find them and use the team's physicality and he's got great tactical nous. But it was surprising in the sense that we were able to keep out what ostensibly is the second best attacking side in the league 
for the best part of 90 minutes, considering that they didn't actually score the goal that they ended up with on the score sheet. You know, we kept them incredibly quiet, didn't we? You know, I think looking back, especially for that sort of last half hour in the sense that we were pinned back so much, it was remarkable to think that we didn't actually concede what would be considered a really clear-cut chance. I thought defensively the organisation was amazing, wasn't it? It was, yeah, and I think a lot of that goes down to the return of of Bailly, doesn't it? Because there's something about him that just seemed to spread calm amongst the others where previous sort of games has been a bit up and down. Smalling and Lindelof hadn't looked the tightest and you sort of feared if those were the two picked that Liverpool's front three would run run riot. But just something about Bailly coming back in, it's always almost like he was being saved for this game because he wasn't really given many minutes before and you, you perhaps thought he was going to be short of match fitness. But even though, you know, we forget the own goal, but to put that to one side, but it was just... Yeah, he's just that that calmness. He he seems to give everyone confidence in his own ability, firstly, and then in everybody else. And it brought out a great performance in Smalling. You know, he's he's not anyone's favourite to be honest, but again, he looked solid when he's good. He's very good to be honest. But we just know that reckless game is is somewhere along the line. And the fullbacks, you know, again, we've been moaning about them a lot recently, but I don't think you can fault Valencia too much down the right. And Young had the game of his life at left back. Kept you know Salah in his pocket for 96 minutes, whatever it was. And just, yeah, like you say, didn't con- concede the chances. You know, there's a lot made of Liverpool dominating the second half, but no shots on target after something like the 31st minute or something. It was a really good old-fashioned defensive in that second half sort of rearguard action, but we'd got the two goals, didn't need to push on. Okay, fair enough, it would have been nice to perhaps go and get that third because Liverpool were vulnerable. But I think Mourinho thought, you know, sod it, let's not... Um, Let's not leave ourselves open. Let's just sit back. They're not going to get two goals against us because he can see, you know, he got them set up correctly and dropped deep. There was no space for them and they ran out of ideas. So I think it was more comfortable than the 2-1 score suggested, maybe. Hmm. I mean, how much did your heart sink, though, when you saw six minutes flash up on the board at the end? Yeah, it did a little bit. I mean, I'll have to confess that I didn't actually watch the game live, but I watched it as live because I was a bit behind. I had some visitors to the to the house here at about half an hour before the game, so I had to like pause it and then I watched it about half an hour going back and I got to the 90 minutes and my heart was just like pounding and you saw it and you thought, "Oh, yeah, we're going to get going to get through this." But it was t- it wasn't as bad as some other games, you know, where you you go into those final minutes and you think, "Well, maybe a, a corner or free kick or something is just inevitable they're going to score." But there was just something about it. They weren't. It was, you know, it was written in the stars that we were gonna gonna hold out. And like I said, it wasn't a complete bombardment where De Gea was saving everything left, right, and centre like he was against Arsenal. Um, there just wasn't that mm. threat. You know, it didn't seem that threat. Although, you know, you literally one good corner or one good free kick from a two-two draw, and it all being a completely different sort of story. But yeah, it wasn't quite as heart-poundingly nervous as um, as other games have been. So yeah, just all in all, just really good three points and great week from if you think about Chelsea Palace and now and now Liverpool so maximum points and onwards and upwards yeah sure talking about Smalling and Young yes Bailly came back and had an excellent performance and he is easily the best centre-back that we have at the club I don't think there's any doubt about that you know he's come back in and slotted into a very high intensity game against a team that had a lot of the ball and he acquitted himself superbly but it's more than just Bailly coming back isn't it surely I mean Smalling and Young were both pretty bad on Monday night at Sellers Park. You know, Rich and I spoke about it in the, in the first, God, is it quarter of, the, of this week's episode, I guess. And they both just 
stank at times. They struggled against the likes of Andros Townsend on Monday night. And that was really telling. So I thought, I was worried that we were going to go back to Smalling and Lindelof and stick with that duo. And I'm somewhat pleased that we didn't because Baye quizzed himself superbly in that situation. To come back in to that fixture... I mean, I guess the pressure's always on in that game. You know, it's United-Liverpool. You know, even if, you know, Ferguson said it, even if it's Tiddlewinks, there's a rivalry, isn't there? And regardless of the fact that we are essentially scrapping for Champions League spots at the moment, there was still enough bite in there, still enough intensity, and the atmosphere certainly made it a big occasion, even if you think about it. If United had come away with a draw, that wouldn't really have been the end of the world whatsoever. You know, we talked about it prior, and I was talking about it on the Twitter account, thinking about how... If United came out with a draw, that's fine. We've got bigger fish to fry this week in terms of where we're going and hopefully going between now and the end of this season. You know, it's a massive game on Tuesday against Sevilla and then a massive game on Saturday against Brighton. You know, two knockout competition ties coming up in the sense that we can get to quarterfinals and Champions League and the semi-finals of the FA Cup. There's a huge, huge games for us. And Liverpool is a huge, huge game. But in the context of this season, it didn't feel that big prior to kickoff. Of course, by the time you get to the 70th minute and you're hanging on 2-1 against Liverpool, it feels like the biggest thing in the world. And I had, I was feeling sick for the majority of that second half. It was a very tricky watch, purely because whilst Liverpool had so much possession, and yeah, they didn't create a lot with it, there was still that worry if it was going to take just one corner, considering that we really struggled with Van Dijk from corners, especially in that first half. You know, arguably it should have equalised when we were 1-0 up, and the header thankfully came off his shoulder after he actually got good contact initially. I think mostly we dealt with them very, very well. And I think, you know, talking about the full-time analysis and, you know, Klopp and some Liverpool fans. And I've had a, I've had one tweeting me uh, a collage of photos of all the ba- what they saw as bad refereeing decisions, which was, you know, I'm not going to lie, quite funny. But I don't think you can really take that victory away from United purely because Liverpool just didn't create that much. And this is something that we criticised Mourinho for plenty. Where's the plan B? Liverpool didn't have one. You know, it was essentially like a less intense version of United's Van Hal, wasn't it? All the possession, completely sterile, just never did anything with it. And I guess, you know, in terms of the amount of crosses, you could almost say it was a little bit of, you know, it was United versus Fulham in the Moyes era, wasn't it? It was cross Mageddon. You know, they were chucking the balls in there, but nothing really worked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it was surprising that, like I say, in the first half, those, those corners, clearly it was a Liverpool plan to get Van Dijk free by sort of messing around on the on the edge of the area. And it caused us all, sorts of hassles all through the game and it, that was the worry you know when you got into was it 96th minute and they got a corner you just thought well here we go something's going to happen but you know that was the the thing before the game was all about their front three against our weak defenders and all this sort of thing and they're going to run riot yet it never really materialized you didn't see much of their front three really which is obviously his credit to our our guys but just to me that was the first time where they looked like they missed Coutinho in terms of creativity from midfield because their three in midfield were pretty poor and just nothing there at all in terms of creativity and you know with Coutinho there there's an extra spark he can beat a player he can pass really well and he's creative and they haven't got they haven't got that without him so that was that really stood out for me I think that um, the fear factor of playing them with him gone was certainly less and if Salah's off the off the pace a little bit which obviously he was then there is not there isn't too much there to be worried about to be honest with you and it's more the you went in with that sort of fear factor that they, one of those three was going to do something. And we marshaled them really well. And I think, you know, Matic and McTominay need a big pat on the back for that as well because they held their position, played it nice and simple, like I say, numerous blocks and interceptions and all this sort of thing. And first half worked like a dream. 
and you know nullified them completely. So yeah, can't really ask much more. No, absolutely. I mean, we have uh, managed to get through about ten minutes of analysis from that game without talking about the man who scored both of our <laughs> goals. I mean, coming into the team, having had a bit of a bitty start to this calendar year, Sanchez coming in, you know, taking what could arguably be described as not necessarily his position, but his spot in the starting eleven, and looking that deadly, that focused, and that sharp, it was a brilliant performance by Rashford, wasn't it? It was absolutely. It's just. He was almost like a return to his his sort of first season sort of form and parts of last season as, season as well in terms of that fear factor with his pace and just he just showed how much he has improved. You know, people say he's not getting enough games, not getting enough time, this sort of thing. But and there's there's perhaps merit to that in certain situations. But he's learning. He's clearly very intelligent, and the way he took his first goal was that's a brilliant goal. You know, that's clearly something they've planned for. Clearly. You know, the long ball up to Lukaku, who sort of beasted Lovren all game, but got the flick on. And the way he took it, you know, from his left onto his right, powered it into the into the far corner was, I think I said this this morning on, on Twitter, was um, very Ronaldo-esque. And that's not a comparison of the two players, but the actual move and the shot, if you look at the, the sort of way his body is and the way he strikes the ball, was, is very Ronaldo-esque. And, you know, you can't really give much higher praise than that. And... The second, he was in the right place at the right time, pretty calm. I know it took a bit of a deflection, but I think it's probably may well have just sort of crept in as well. So everything with with Rashford, you know what you're going to get. And he, again, proved he's a big game player. And you can't beat having a big game player who turns up every time and can score goals. And hopefully this is now the start of a, of a sort of settled run in the team. And, you know, it'll just boost his confidence up because a fit and firing and confident Rashford is a, is a pretty potent weapon from that left-hand side. So... Yeah, long may it continue. Absolutely. I mean, we again, we've now reached 12 minutes in this uh, analysis of the Liverpool game. We haven't mentioned the fact that we were without Paul Pogba. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually, to see what difference he would have made. A, obviously, he would have played. He was going to start in the, the midfield, too. But you sort of, on its hindsight, and you just don't know how it would have turned out. But we know his defensive indiscipline, and you do wonder, would it have been a completely different game? It might have been better. It might have been falling up at halftime because of him. So... Obviously, it's just it's probably pointless discussing it, but it's it's just I thought you know when he was out it was a blow, but you thought something you know the negative part of me thought yeah we're going to be a little bit more solid we might not be as cre- creative, but you know let's see what happens and McTominay stepped up he had a poor game sort of first half against Crystal Palace was hooked and you didn't think that you know you thought he'd be back to the to the bench for the foreseeable future and no doubt would have been without Pogba getting injured but that was his best game I thought for the for the club you know, for someone so young to be that confident, you know, he sort of really dominated their midfield three and that was two against three, you know, that's um, a big thing and for him so young, 21, he was a monster really and there he, he did everything that was asked of him and more and complimented Matic really, really well. So the whole Pogba thing was a non-issue by the end of the day, which was amazing really. Especially with the way these last two weeks of fixtures have gone. So you look at the win against Chelsea, the comeback win over Palace, and the win against Liverpool. These are the sort of performances that you expect of a Mourinho side, but we've found so difficult to come by. And it's been it's just the inconsistency of United and the Mourinho in these sort of instances where we'll go several months and we'll play really exciting football, and then a couple of results or a couple of injuries knock us back, and then we struggle, we don't look so fluid. And then just the fight seems to have gone out. You know, you think back to that sort of section of games where we were you know wilting at Wembley 
Oh, nice alliteration there. Rather ragged 2-0 win over Huddersfield and then that defeat at St. James's Park. Yeah, the creativity wasn't really there. The fight wasn't really there. The intensity wasn't there. And then we pull a performance like this out of the bag. To keep a side like Liverpool out, all right, I don't think they're the most wonderful team in the world, but they've got a lot of attacking talent and they have been ripping teams apart in a way that we necessarily haven't done at stages of this season. So to keep that team out with a defence that, you know, mostly really struggled against Crystal Palace several days previously and has struggled on many other occasions since, that was really impressive. And that is ultimately what you want to see more of whilst Mourinho is manager of United. When it comes to those bigger games, you want to see that kind of effort and industry coupled with the players nailing the game plan. And I think... Whilst there's definitely a criticism of Mourinho to sense that sometimes he hasn't matched up his game plan to the occasion, I think on this occasion, everything works correctly. He got the right tactics, he got the right performances, and everyone was singing on the same hymn sheet. I don't think anyone really put much of a foot wrong. The only bad performance, I would say, and this was not lacking for effort, was Sanchez, purely because, again, he is trying to do everything. He's trying so, so, so damn hard, and it's just not coming off. He looks just a little bit lost at the moment. You know, there's a question coming up later on. That, uh, well, actually, we'll just go to it now. Uh, our friend James has asked uh, whether or not Sanchez should actually be dropped. Now, initially, I did suggest that he should come off for Lingard towards the end of that game because he looked leggy as heck on a couple of occasions and he was doing the Tevers thing and running himself into the ground. But I don't know, man. I mean, it's a difficult one purely because, you know, Mourinho really rates Sanchez and he's trying to almost do what he often does in these situations, which is play a player out of bad form. But at the minute... With the way Lingard's playing, especially with the Raptors playing, I would almost be considering whether or not you need to start him on Tuesday or on Saturday. You know, it's a tricky one, but Sanchez's performance at the minute are dirt. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I mean, we spoke when he just signed and we're both, you know, really excited about it and thought he'd hit, hit the ground running, really, with, you know, considering he knew the league and all this sort of thing. We know his qualities, but he has. Well, he know, has, but that's all he's done. Yeah, literally. Yeah, he looks just low on confidence and whether I don't know if it's tiredness or whatever it's yeah it has been disappointing underwhelming but like I say he doesn't stop you know running about and working so that is one good good side of it and you know I do agree as well I think Mourinho is trying to play him back into form by just keep playing him he knows that something will just flick the switch and he'll be he'll be back on form and although I do think he could do with you know the break in terms of, of the summer which he'll get with um, Chile not making it to the World Cup and he will be at his best next year. There's a lot of football still to be played and we need him back. And you're right that others deserve a place ahead of him. And certainly when Martial comes back, then you you could make a case for him being ahead of him. And Lingard, as you've said, Mata did well on Saturday. So there's three or four players who probably deserve a start ahead of him. But um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he'll keep playing him and eventually something will click where he'll just try a shot and it'll go flying in and then he'll be away. But massively underwhelming. You can't you know deny that. and He's giving the ball away a lot, but he's trying to make things happen and he has had a few assists here and there and yeah, I just I'm still patient with it. But so at the moment I would say no, he'll stay in and even my my own thoughts would be just keep him in because something will click. We know the quality he's got, so yeah, that's my, my two penneth worth. No, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think just at the minute because he's so desperate to make something happen, what is it gonna take? Is it gonna take a, a wonderful goal in this big Champions League game to just calm him a little bit. I guess he needs to play. He likes to play on the edge anyway. And because of his intensity at the minute, because everything's so amped up, I guess it's difficult to try and get him to say, just calm down a little bit, I guess, or just try and relax because that just doesn't seem 
part of his shtick. So, yeah, I'm not long-term worried, but short-term at the moment, I'm not necessarily sure. If you get Martial back for Tuesday, I would be tempted maybe just to start with him on the bench and perhaps bring him on if we need the impact. And God God knows, I really hope we don't, because I don't want to sit watching this game at Old Trafford on Tuesday night, 30-40 minutes, clawing on to a one-goal lead, knowing that a severe score, then we're out and away goals. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. A great day at Saturday Old Trafford. The atmosphere sounded absolutely fantastic. The fact that we've now opened up a five-point gap over Liverpool, when most of us didn't expect to, is excellent. A pretty bad weekend for them as well. You know, Chelsea and Spurs and Arsenal all... I mean, obviously, Arsenal aren't really too much of a problem because they're way behind. But now they've been leapfrogged into third by Spurs... There's now a four-point gap between us in second and Spurs in fourth. And Chelsea as well are going to be are creeping up on them now. And they've got to play them second to last game of the season. So it's a really bad weekend for them. And a pretty decent one for us, all told. Yeah, excellent. Can't uh, complain at all. And it's just it's set us up right for these, these next two games. Because it was, you know, it's make or break time, isn't it? And lost... Mm. If we'd have... it's, a, it's the biggest week of Mourinho's time at United, surely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, defining, definitely. Because if we had lost yesterday this is being mega uh, pessimistic but i've gone out on tuesday and then you go into the brighton game you know last chance for any sort of silverware or any sort of glory pressure's really on and you do wonder you know atmosphere could have been really 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 bad on on saturday but now you know the club should go bouncing into tuesday i don't think severe are up to much to be perfectly honest but you know nil nil wasn't a great result over there you know it's dangerous as you say all it takes is one away goal we've got to score two and although that again that's possible but you just don't want that worry almost because we're not gonna i don't think we're gonna blow them away three or four nil to to sort of put it out of out of sight so you're always going to be that worry as you said i think i could see us being one nil up with 10 minutes to go and it just being complete sort of squeaky bum time and you're one goal away from disaster so yeah it's it's just hard to underestimate how important yesterday was for the mood around the club for just everything going into these next two games and win them both and yeah we're actually flying into the latter part of the season and from there Champions League anything's a bonus to be honest I'd have taken quarter final and as long as we don't play a, an English club I wouldn't particularly want to play Liverpool or City or I don't think we'll be playing Spurs particularly but or Chelsea <laughs> we're definitely uh, not playing Spurs <laughs> no uh, I don't think we'll play Chelsea either I don't think I think Barcelona will, will see past them but yeah it's just hard to underestimate how good it can make the whole club feel when you beat you beat one of your main rivals or your main rival maybe Mm, absolutely i mean still the fixture for me that i get most anxious about when it's on the horizon for sure and then yeah especially in that situation because i mean to be fair we haven't been beaten by them now in eight premier league meetings and that is a very misleading stat with an agenda because obviously there was the europa league exit in van hal's second season we won't mention that but still, Premier League record against them is really good. You know, those three rather anodyne draws prior to this and the Mourinho will be swept under the rug because we did a real number on them on Saturday and it was excellent to watch. You know, I'm really, really pleased and really satisfied with the effort. And this is what we need to see more of. If Mourinho wants to employ this this approach in the bigger games, even if it's at home, I don't mind too much as long as it gets the res- right result and as long as the players are able to put his plans into practice on that sort of level. I don't honestly know if that is doable on a consistent basis because, as we've seen, these plans of his can go awry so very, very quickly and so frequently as well. So whether or not this is going to continue and this is 
now potentially a defining result that could see Mourinho take this template and apply it to every major situation that United have going forward, I'm not sure. Marcus Rashford, any more words on him? Just hope he stays in the in the team. I think it's important for his confidence. He starts on uh, Tuesday, you know, injuries permitting. I'm sure, pretty sure he would have come through okay. And yeah, just he's he's got to be let loose again, and uh, everyone else sort of plays around him because you know you, when you score two goals like that, you can't be put back on the bench. He's just got to be be let to run free, and yeah, build on that. And I'm sure he'll have another cracking game. Mm, let it fly. What about the Kaku as well? A big word on him. He did a really difficult job very well on Saturday I thought you know basically I don't think he ever really looked like scoring for the entirety of the game but he was a real presence for us and vital a vital cog in the whole plan really wasn't he yeah he's he's getting better and better I think through the season early parts although he scored a few goals early on and looked looked really good then he had that sort of low sort of blip really where he wasn't contributing too much certainly goals wise and assists wise but he's a real team player you can see that and you know, it's quite interesting for the game. I think um, he had a, a bit of an interview with um, with Henri at uh, Carrington, and he was sort of saying the the joy he gets from assisting. And you know, that's small small sort of part of the game. But you know, for a striker to say that when everything about a striker is all about goals, you'd think they'd be the most selfish, or they have to be the most selfish sort of breed of of player. But he gets a lot of joy out of it. Clearly, as you saw on you know in other games when he crossed for Lingard against Chelsea, you know, it, it was almost like he'd score the winning goal in the World Cup final the way he celebrated that was was mm. brilliant and he's yeah the more I see him the more I like him he's got limitations we've seen that but he's contributing more and more he's having an effect in big games which he wasn't before and I don't think we can ask too much more because 23 goals at this stage and what 10 assists 11 assists something like that is pretty damn good I think for a first season and he's only 23 24 he's been around for so long that people think he's older but he's only gonna get better and to see that improvement in the season is is fantastic and I think he'll have a good World Cup and he'll come back flying next season and he should be good for 30 goals in the next few seasons and I can't see how you can ask too much more for, than that to be honest and you know just again people say Mourinho doesn't improve players well to be honest he's I think he's improved Lukaku he still has critics but then every United striker always has and you just look at the at the end of the season we'll look back and see near on 30 goals if not 30 goals and probably you know 10 to 15 assists well that's a bloody good season especially mm. on with that price rate uh price tag as well because that's pressure and that's in itself you know but uh, similar strikers to him have, have wilted under that pressure so i i like him i think he's he's definitely got something and he's he's improving and you, you can't ask much more no exactly and i think a couple more things in terms of asking much more people saying god i hope we don't rue that missed matter chance that was an overhead kick yeah. <laughs> and people are ruining the missed opportunity. That was a wild situation, everyone. I mean, I, I saw suggestions saying that Matter could have taken a touch. James Miller was essentially right next to him just after he's made contact with the ball. I don't think there's enough time to take a touch there. He's done the only thing he could do in that situation with the ball, which was a delicious delivery. And he's yeah. done a wonderful acrobatic overhead kick. And he was so close to getting that on target. You know, Carriers was essentially rooted to the spot. So it was on target. It was in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that was essentially our only other decent chance of the game. And that was, I mean, I guess you could certainly call it a chance, but a gaping or glaring missed opportunity? Not for me, Clive, not for me. Uh, the only other thing to mention, I guess, in the interest of balance was that, you know, Liverpool felt aggrieved to have not gotten a couple of decisions their way. Uh, this is perhaps a chance for uh, Valencia to have been sent off for a ridiculously high boot on Mane <laughs> towards his arm. That was not good. And to be fair, had it been a red, I don't think we could have had too many complaints about that. A couple of penalty shouts, Mane sort of 
bashing into Fellaini's leg and going over quite dramatically. Young did have his arms all over Salah, but not necessarily enough for a penalty. And that handball, uh, well, to hit the cliche, you've seen them given. But beyond that, I don't think Liverpool can really have too many complaints, can they? No, I don't think they can. But it's this is the same with every big game that clubs lose at Old Trafford. There's always moaning about the referee and all this rubbish. And, you know, as you say, probably all of those penalty decisions, as you say, you've seen them given. They could have gone either way. But, you know, they were also, you could see why they weren't given. So, and as the home team, you get that advantage. You know, refs might not mm. admit it, but you do get that that. You know, benefit of the doubt, and I mean, tried telling Graham Soonest that he was not happy. <laughs> yeah, he was sour, as as he has been a lot recently. But you know, the Mane one, when you look at look at it back in real time, you look at it and you think, yeah, there's something there. Fellaini, being Fellaini as well, you think, oh, he's clum- naturally clumsy, so therefore he would have tripped him over. But if you look at the replay, Mane initial initiated the contact with him by sort of kicking his leg out. It was very clever because he didn't look that obvious. But again, good refereeing. I thought the referee was pretty good actually, and. You know, the, the Valencia handball, again, you've, as you say, you've seen them given, but he didn't move his hand to the ball, so you could see why it wasn't given. So, that's you know, there's, there's not a lot there to be that sort of grieving about from, from Liverpool's point of view, and I, I think they should be looking at their fabled front, front three who completely, you know, went missing and didn't didn't do anything, and that's the bigger issue, not refereeing decisions, because we don't want to be talking about referees, and there's no, there wasn't a clang or anything like that that would have seen them get a goal. So, I, I just think that's... Uh, it's a very easy thing. Blame the referee and you try and save some face and it's not good, I don't think. Well, not when there's there's nothing obvious. No, no, for sure. I mean, I don't think there was anything there that if I'd... It's difficult. You know, we can look at these situations from our perspective and say now there's nothing obvious, but trying to be as impartial as possible, I don't think, apart from maybe the Valencia high foot, there was anything that screamed Liverpool have been wronged here or we've absolutely gotten away with one. And again, you know, Liverpool can talk about you know, refereeing errors all they like. The fact is that they were kept quiet for the best part of 90 minutes and we scored their goal for them. Yeah. And they, even with six minutes stoppage time, they couldn't find a way through. Anyway, that sets us up quite nicely for Tuesday night. So let's hope that we're having an equally positive chat after that. Let's see how we get on. Rich, we just finished watching that. I don't even know if you could call it a performance against Sevilla for the second leg. Out of the Champions League, and I'm not going to lie, I am more frustrated and I think angry than I've been for several years of watching United. What an absolute shit show that was tonight. Yeah, it was, and it's highlighted something we've talked about in the past, which is that we've got a guy, Mourinho, who has been incredibly successful because he makes the big calls the majority of the time. Ultimately, his, his footballers generally been most of his clubs has generally been pretty pragmatic but what makes him special and what makes other top managers special is they get the vast majority of, of decision you know of calls right it may be difficult to watch at times but tactically he's won a lot of games the problem is that he's he's come to united and, and it, it just seems to me that he gets it tactically wrong more often than he gets it tactically right and he's got some good players which means he gets away with there are moments there are games, isolated games and moments within games where he makes decisions that have a significant positive impact on results, but they just seem to be so relatively rare compared to how he was before. And almost the, the Liverpool game at the weekend almost kind of emphasises that fact in that, you know, he got that perfectly right in the, in that one that one game and won us the game. Those sort of perfect tactical games have been quite few and far between. And I, I'm sure as we'll go on to talk about, I, I can't, 
think of a single thing in that lineup and the approach that United had tonight that was right. No, no, I think it was wrong from... <sighs> the frustrating thing is, you know, we've been talking about this on the last couple of sections of the pod that we've been doing. You know, you look back to the Chelsea game, the Palace game, and the game against Liverpool. There were imperfect elements of all three of those performances, but we won all three. We came from behind in two of those games and we kept Liverpool quiet. You know, we did a really good job defensively. It was committed. There was intensity. Tonight was just the complete antithesis of that. Mourinho is just completely petrified of conceding a goal throughout this tie. To go to Seville and play for that nil-nil and basically look like, again, we were scared of letting a goal in. All right, that almost makes sense if you're going to go for it at home. And I think for perhaps the first five minutes and then the last five minutes of the first half, United looked like they might be building ahead of steam and actually could be capable of putting Sevilla under some sustained pressure. For the rest of that time, for almost three hours of football, we were absolute dross. We were pathetic. Yeah. We just looked like we didn't know what we were doing. We had no control over that tie whatsoever. We might have had some decent possession stats, but at no point were we actually pinning Sevilla back and putting them under some decent sustained pressure. It was just an absolute farce. Mourinho just looked absolutely terrified of conceding a goal. Yeah. Someone just posted on Twitter saying we were set up to defend a lead we never had. That's absolutely perfect. We yeah. never got ahead in that tie. It didn't look like we never planned to get ahead in it. I'm just absolutely baffled by the approach tonight. The first leg, again, can be mitigated if you're going to go for it at home. But we didn't. And you're talking about the decisions this evening. Bringing Fellaini back in for his first start in several months was just, I mean, that's a, an absolute joke. Bless him. I'm not going to blame him too much. You know, he is what he is, but he just looks so off the pace for the hour that he was on. You know, he might have had a best chance of the entire game apart from the Kaku scoring. But other than that, he was drowning, as were so many other players in that team tonight. And to cut that starting eleven from Liverpool up and chop and change in a couple of positions, it just completely sapped the momentum that we'd gained. And it was a huge disappointment to watch the way that we approached that game and just the lack of any tangible intensity or even just a sense of what the occasion meant. You know, it's been four years since United were in the knockout stage of the Champions League. It's been so long waiting to get back in there and to go out in such a limp fashion is pathetic. I think the approach is more embarrassing than the result. You know, ultimately you can lose a, a tie against a team which in talent terms isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have the same amount of talent as you do that that happens you know Mourinho won a Champions League with a Porto side that was pretty talented but it it beat sides who are better more talented than it, it was the approach to the game the approach to both ties was embarrassing it's interesting if you think back to the Europa League last year to the knockout stages we didn't play I don't think we played a single side and don't don't get me wrong, I don't think Sevilla are a particularly good side. As someone pointed out, there are 15 La Liga sides who've conceded more, uh, less goals than Sevilla this season. Sevilla aren't a good side, but we, we only won one knockout tie in that long run to the uh, Europa League final by more than a single goal. And in those ties, we played we played the seventh best team in Russia. And we pl- we played a, you know, a, pre- a pretty ordinary Anderlecht side. And we, we came within a couple of inches of going out to Celta Vigo side who were thirteenth in their Liga. And we couldn't have argued because we went we went away from home and got ended up with a pretty decent one 0 league leading that game and then just basically played like cowards for the whole of the second leg. That wasn't it wasn't a coincidence, it was by design and that's what Mourinho does. 
and I think I think Mourinho got what he and we deserved from from a Sevilla side who really aren't much cop. But I think they're just slightly they're slightly better than the dross we faced last year on the way to the Europa League final, and that's all it took because we've been bang average in Europe since Mourinho. Well, we've been bang average average in Europe since really let Van Van Hal came. And so, as someone pointed out, David Moyes is still been most successful United manager in <laughs> Europe of the last five years. Oh Jesus! But 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 it's not just it's not just approach as well. I mean, as you, as you said, Fellaini bringing Fellaini into that midfield was an absolutely baffling decision because Fellaini has never ever ever for United played well as a, a sort of traditional central, you know, sort of relatively defensive central midfielder. It didn't work under Moyes. It didn't work under Van Hal, and he hasn't worked whenever on the few occasions when he's been used under. Under Mourinho, you put him and Matic next to each other in midfield, the two most immobile footballers at the club, if you don't include Michael Carrick, and you got what we got, which was severe, just passing triangles around them and absolutely no creativity whatsoever. You know, at least, even if we, we weren't going to start with Pogba, if we, if we say, well, Pogba's in poor form, didn't deserve to start injured or not, then McTominay would at least have had the mobility and the, the work ethic and the bite to get around the pitch and actually put a few tackles in and win some balls back. As it was, everyone was just—they were just standing still in midfield while Sevilla passed around us. It's not just that. I mean, you know, Alexis Sanchez is playing like utter shit on the left-hand side. He hasn't—he's—he—he he really hasn't performed since he's come to United. And that's not me saying he's a bad player because he's clearly not. But for whatever reason, at the moment, he's not performing on that side of the pitch. So we had Marcus Rashford who put in a really, really high-class performance on the left-hand side against Liverpool. It's clearly, you know, really, really firing on that side. We revert to putting Sanchez there, who we know is playing appallingly, and stick Rashford on the right, where he's 50% as effective. There's mm-hmm. nothing that Mourinho did in that game, from tactics, from line-up, from just general approach, from the way the players were motivated. There was nothing that was above an E or an F. It was, it was, <laughs> ge- it was genuinely appalling in every single facet of the preparation and set-up for that game. I, I, I cannot wrap my head around it, Rich, at all. This is... By some distance, the worst result that United have produced under Mourinho, just in terms of the way that we've approached the game and his tactics, it's just utterly baffling. And I can't get my head around the fact that so much of last season was built towards getting us back into European competition, to get us back into the Champions League. Went through that laborious Europa League campaign, wonderful way to end it. Great performance, thinking, right, now we're back. We've got through the group stages. This is now a chance for us to make a statement and actually do something in this competition. The first time we've been back in it for four seasons. And to approach it in this way, Sevilla, a team who've conceded more than three goals eight times this season, I believe the stat was, clearly not much cop defensively. And clearly, again, our strengths lie in our attack. And I know we've been banging our head against this brick wall in terms of Mourinho not necessarily trusting our attack and putting too much stock in us sitting deep and protecting that back four. But then again, if you're really so worried about conceding, why stick the two most immobile midfielders you've got on the pitch, one that's not played for several months, and hope for a better result? Look, we were basically playing that game, waiting for that goal to go in. And there are a couple of flashpoints, especially in that second half. Carrier went through on goal and Bailly with a wonderful saving tackle towards uh, just after the second half had begun. And then Bailly again uh, knocking Muriel and just doing enough, putting enough of his body in the way from that low cross. But 
you could just see the longer that tie going on, there was you just couldn't see where the goal was coming from from United at all. And then when Ben Yedder came on and got that first one, again, just a sloppy pass. We were doing that all evening and it, you couldn't you point to five or six players who gave the ball away cheaply. And finally, Sevilla used the momentum that they had. They broke on us. We couldn't get back in time. Bayer was undone and De Gea had no chance and Ben Yedder scores. And then again, four minutes later, that comical goal from the corner not Dave's finest hour but I'm really not bothered about ripping into him too much this evening you know he was far from our biggest problem I just I can't get my head around it it's stunning stunning to see United just flop to that performance this evening but not only that I don't think it's forgivable the way that Mourinho has approached this tie there's no justification there's no reason for it there was no point to United coming into this home tie and being so cautious and being so lethargic. And it's difficult to maintain the intensity that you had in that Liverpool game to the next one. But to just fall off a cliff like this, it's just ridiculous. I can't understand what Mourinho was doing in lead up to this game to suggest and to think that this was actually going to be a good, viable way of getting through the tie. At no point did we did it legitimately look like He'd said to his players, you need to go and attack to score a goal. It looked like they'd almost been told you're 1-0 up and we're just going to try and defend it. Maybe it's more for me for being surprised because Mourinho has served up tactics similar to this on several occasions. And as you pointed out, the run to Europa League final last season was not necessarily paved with wonderful attacking displays. It was often very tight and taut. And But then again, I kind of expected us to actually go for it at some stage this evening. Rich, you know... Maybe a repeat of Celta Vigo in the sense that we got ahead and sat back on it. But at no point did we look like going ahead. You know, Fellaini had our best chance of that game with that, you know, I think he essentially somewhat barged over the Sevilla midfielder at one point and then got the ball back from Sanchez. And as you said there, Sanchez had a poor game and should have been hooked prior. But, you know, it took until going 2-0 down to get those substitutions, didn't it? It was just all too late. You know, again, you know, you bring Pogba into that situation. We know he's not the best at sitting in that midfield too alongside matches, especially against a team that presses as high as Sevilla did. And again, we still don't have a plan for when teams press as high. And I still don't know why that's a thing that we struggle with. But there we go. Gosh, I'm just ranting at the minute, Rich. This is your territory. But still, I mean, it's stunning that having gone through all of last season and to know that this, the Premier League campaign was essentially done and dusted by December you know City won the title when they beat us arguably at Old Trafford we haven't necessarily shown much consistency in any competition since then all right there's still enough to play for just about with finishing in the top four and hopefully going on to win the FA Cup if we're able to get past Brighton and the semi-final tie which is almost likely not going to be particularly easy I'm just stunned that with a fair amount riding on this in terms of actually getting us into the quarterfinals of Champions League, giving us something to build on for next season, which you'd hope would be better than this, that we've just fallen away without so much of a whimper. But what what are United trying to achieve? Not Mourinho, what are United trying to achieve or have they been trying to achieve over the last few years and what were they trying to achieve in terms of pointing Mourinho? Essentially it was to A, win the Premier League title again and B, be a major competitive force in Europe. And the reality is we we could finish this season second. We, we're almost certain to be in the Champions League again next year. We might buy a few a few more players. You know, probably a couple of them are very good players. But you just know we'll, we'll go into the Champions League again next year and we'll play exactly like this again. 
even looking at even looking at the group stages this year, I mean they were pretty turgid, weren't they? There was nothing. There were no united performances. The four one in 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 Moscow was pretty impressive. Impressive, certainly first half. But apart from that, United were really, really bang average throughout that group. And what what was a really, really poor group, I think, in hindsight. Now, ultimately, do we want to be in a position where we know this is all we've got to look forward to? And also, the sort of supplementary question would be: Can Mourinho overhaul Guardiola and this City team? with a side that plays like this? And I think the answer to, to that is absolutely not. Can United win the Champions League playing like this now, with Mourinho getting more, I would say, more than half of his calls generally wrong? No. I said on, I said on Twitter before we came on the air, I, I wouldn't sack him. I don't see there's any, any value in sacking him. I think it, it's entirely right that he should get three years to see where we go, because ultimately we, we're not in a position where we can chop and change again, I think, without doing further damage to to the team and the club. But I wouldn't be remotely bothered if he stepped down tomorrow. Whatever I want, whether United win or lose, I want United to at least try and be positive. Try and give me something to, to shout about. Something to, to be enthused by when I sit down to watch them every week. And at the moment, you know, we've, we've had a good couple of weeks in terms of Premier League results, but it wasn't an exciting ride. And if those were the kind of results that Mourinho was pulling out of the bag every week, then you might say, well, you know, OK, that, that justifies, the, justifies the means. But the reality is that the last couple of games have been notable because we've, we've turned games around in the way that we haven't done for the majority of Mourinho's time at the club. Mm. And, and, you know, before that came an absolutely atrocious defeat at Newcastle and whipping at Spurs that was almost as incompetent as this game tonight and then we you know we had the first 60 minutes at Palace where Mourinho clearly just got everything wrong before you know actually showing a bit of magic and turning it around but that's that's the point there's more wrong than there's right really and and I don't sit down to watch United with any expectation of really being infused by what I see you know sometimes sometimes it occasionally will happen but the, the majority of the time, it's very, very hard to watch. Mourinho's there to win ties like this and ties against better teams than this. That's why we brought him. We brought him in. If he's not delivering that, then what are we putting up with it for? It's just food for thought. I just don't, I don't know that the, the, the sizable downsides necessarily justify the means for us at the moment. Like I say, I wouldn't suck him. I don't think there's any, any value in that, but... I'm a bit tired of what he's producing for us at times. Yeah, the ends can almost just about justify the means if we can get performances like Liverpool on a consistent basis. But so far, what we've seen in almost two full seasons under Mourinho is that we know that we can't. And the concerning thing is that given an opportunity tonight to take United on to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, a competition that we all know is deeply important for the business side of the club and huge for us as fans because that's where you want to see United. So much of the club's history amounts in the last 20 years is so built up and tied intrinsically into European football. The fact that it's taken us this long to get back there has been frustrating. To get back this year, coast through the group stages you know, with what, three good performances and three kind of near performances. All right, that was fair enough. We got through it. 
And then to come back into this tie and to just exit the competition so limply, there's just, as you said there, Rich, why have we got Mourinho if he's not going to take us forward and get us to win games in these situations and not to win ties and to actually make us be a team that wants to score goals and win games? I mean, this evening, it didn't look like we were capable of doing that. And for a team that's had this much money spent on it, that's got this much attacking talent in it, if Mourinho can't get his team to do that against a team that was leaking goals like a sieve in La Liga, then what happens next? Because I don't know. I mean, I can't see that there's actually much benefit because another manager of maybe Pochettino's level could get United a cup competition, perhaps. With Mourinho at the moment, there's not that much of a difference between managers on a similar level. I don't think he's really distinguished himself enough over these two seasons with this exit now, with the manner, with the approach and the tactics to suggest he's going to take United on to another level. And that was arguably what he was bought for. And if he's not able to deliver that, then... I mean, this is the really annoying thing because we were talking, James and I, on Sunday night about Mourinho getting it right and United getting it right. This is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. This is Mourinho and United collectively shitting the bed. And in terms of the approach, yes, there were many players who did not have a good game tonight. Fellaini was poor. Smalling wasn't great. Bayer at times struggled, but again, remember for some great challenges. Pogba came on and struggled. Sanchez was terrible. You know, Lingard... Well, there's a couple of moments during that game, actually, where Sanchez actually did some great work. You know, he picked the ball up and ran with it, which was lovely to see when there was actually some space available to him. But again, completely failed to distinguish himself. Lukaku was out of the game because he barely had the ball at his feet. And Matic was overrun. But the reason that a lot of those performances were so substandard was because Mourinho didn't protect them. He played to a system that gave Sevilla the impetus and the onus was on them to essentially attack and have the majority of the chances in that game. Every time the ball broke down, as it so often does, when we're against a team that press high, they attacked us, and they pressed us, and they countered, and they got their rewards tonight. Almost three hours of football it took to us to get that one goal in the 84th minute tonight. It's not good enough. Simple as that. And I think that looking at the way things could potentially go forward, if we're going to see more of this, then I'm not really that enthused about going forward with Mourinho is the simple fact but to be fair Rich we, we've gone on for a bit longer than I assumed so let's just try and look forward to Saturday against Brighton you know the, Chris Hutton's got them playing relatively well at the moment I can't see that being an easy game and it certainly wasn't easy when we played them uh, earlier on in the season at home how do you see that one going? I would hope and I would expect there'll be a reaction of sorts what I hope doesn't happen, which does some, tend to happen with Mourinho sometimes, is that he throws several players under the bus for tonight, rather than accepting that he heinously screwed up. So, I, I think we'll win that game. I think it will probably be pretty grim and functional. <laughs> but that's not, I'm not, not exactly going on a limb there, am I? You know, ultimately our, the FA Cup is all we've got now, this season. I think if we win that, then and, and finish second, you could say, well, it's not been great, but we've come out with it with a trophy, which is always great. We've improved in the league, and so we can say perhaps we've reached par for the season for what we should be doing, given the money we spend and the expectations. So I'm just hoping that that we really see a different side and that we're switched on. Because well, let's be honest, if we don't beat Brian at home, what are we doing? <sighs> well, I mean, all the enthusiasm ahead of that game has been sapped out of me by this evening, which I think is fair enough. So we'll see how that pans out on Saturday evening then, I guess. Cheers, Rich. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Cheers. 
Phil, don't know about you, but after last Tuesday night's rather limp exit from the Champions League, I was quite looking forward to a somewhat of a tonic for uh, Saturday's FA Cup meeting with Brighton. And to be fair, it did give us something else to talk about, but mostly it was how really, really bad we were. <laughs> I mean, after a week of looking for distractions, Mourinho doing a, a quite spectacular you know for most well for better and somewhat worse uh press conference in the lead up to the match itself to then be presented by that a win though it a win it was for sure that we're definitely through to the semi-finals i've checked several times to make sure that i didn't dream that <laughs> bit but good grief in uh the most inauspicious of circumstances i think it's fair to say yeah man i mean it's, it's been a tough week <laughs> to say the least it was great to get the win under the belts but yeah, it, it wasn't the kind of rousing performance that you were hoping for following last Tuesday night. No, I mean, I didn't speak to you after the game in any particular depth, mostly because I had enough of talking to Rich. But <laughs> how did last Tuesday night strike you? And what were you really looking for when we played Brighton on Saturday? Oh, man. I was hoping you weren't going back to Tuesday night whenever we were chatting tonight. It was shocking just how unadventurous we were Whenever we went one down, how clueless we looked. That second goal that we conceded was some of the most amateur defending of a corner I've ever seen at United. It was quite scary seeing us like that, to be honest. So I was looking for a reaction. I kind of thought Mourinho would realise that he'd completely f***ed it, even if he wouldn't admit that. And I thought we would get a good reaction. And I mean, we got the win, and we're still in that competition, and we're not in the Champions League, so there are plus points, but... It wasn't the kind of fight back and prove everyone that we're still going places that we were maybe hoping for. No, I mean, there's not necessarily a hell of a lot to take out of the game in terms of how we played, really, was it? It was really, really flat. And, you know, there is an argument to be said that due to the conditions, which were, reminder, very, very snowy, that it was probably difficult to put on a particularly swashbuckling display. Yeah. But Mourinho was pretty happy to chuck his team under the bus for that one. You know, if there was a suggestion that he weaved some sort of wonderful distraction magic in the subsequent days after the Sevilla game. This was not that. He seemed very, very disappointed with how the team played. You know, we didn't, we weren't necessarily under a lot of pressure, but neither did we really exert a lot of control in that game. You know, I think Mourinho was talking about how he was trying to encourage them to press and attack and, you know, sweep forward. And we didn't really see any of that for the most part. You know, there were sections where we, did try and link some play together but at the minute coherency is just something that just seems to completely elude us under Mourinho at the moment in terms of on a consistent basis anyway so you know when we actually got the goals it was down to as we've seen frequently for the season moments of quality you know it was a great cross from Matic to set Lukaku up for his 25th of the season an excellent return from him and a lovely finish you know, Matic from Ashley Young's free kick not in the second and at that stage at 1-0 you're always thinking gosh, what happens? Is it just going to take one quick mistake as we saw a couple <laughs> nights previously and then suddenly we're on one all and worrying about extra time and penalties at home and given... I'm not necessarily sure what the mood is represented around the entire club, but it can't have been positive in the wake of that game against Sevilla for sure. And the performance that we saw on Saturday wasn't one of a team that was 100% convinced to put things right, but it felt like they just needed to get themselves through it. I don't know what it says about Mourinho, though, that he seemed to want to go for a more attacking approach, didn't get it, and then chucked his team under the bus. 
And I think in particular, it's worrying that he wanted a more attacking performance, but he just couldn't get it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what he said in the post the Brighton game, I think is probably stuff that he wanted to say following the Sevilla game. But following a loss, I think if he'd came out and attacked the players to that extent, he would have got absolute pelters for it. And although he didn't, you know, he didn't take any of the blame for the defeat himself, as you say, used a lot of um, distraction tactics. So I think getting the win under his belt, it gave him a bit of leeway to maybe have a go and say some of the things that he had been holding back from saying midweek. You know, when you, when you've got a win in the bag, then you know maybe people will give you a bit of a break if you're having a go at the players, and they'll move on from it. Where if he had a, said some of that stuff after the previous game. I don't think many people would have had much time for him following that. Not that he got a good response from what he did say in the end, but, you know, it it would have been a lot worse for him, I think. No, and I think one of the really strange things, thinking back to, you know, Mourinho's press conference in particular and the reaction since, you know, the suggestion's been put to me when I responded to it, you know, with disbelief. It's just complete distraction tactics. But it didn't work. It wasn't a distraction. It essentially just made everything <laughs> seem worse. You know, it didn't serve as, you know, as something to take our minds off what happened on Tuesday. It just threw into sharper relief just how bad that was. And this attempt to try and take our minds off it was not successful whatsoever. No. I have to be honest, I didn't watch any of this press con- conference um, on Friday did that on purpose because, you know, at, and I put a tweet out saying similar at, at the time that there would have been a time where I would have eaten up a 12-minute rant of Mourinho. But this mm-hmm. week, I just, I couldn't be bothered with it at all because I knew that it was all going to be fluff, basically, to try and distract. But, the, you know, some of the things that he said in, the, in his press conference immediately following the Sevilla game, talking about how it's the norm for United to go out of the Champions League, that kind of stuff. I just, <laughs> I, I just couldn't be bothered listening to that anymore. But have, you know, having said that, his post-game interview after Brighton, although it, it sounded harsh, I didn't have a problem with much of what he said. To be honest, you know, he talked about how he seemed to have players that had the attitude and the character, but maybe not the quality, um, and then he had mm-hmm. the ones that had the quality, but maybe not the character to apply it. I think would. For the last few years, you know, we've been treading water a bit with a lot of these players that definitely have the character, but without the ability to back it up. And they've been kind of keeping us going to an extent. But there comes a time when you do need to get players with the quality and the attitude. And that's Mourinho's job. And he has to fit them all together and make them do well. Yeah, and there's an argument to say that that hasn't quite happened on a consistent enough basis to warrant the somewhat extreme measures. You know, some players got a right rollicking on Saturday, you know. Descriptions of Matic as an Islander personality in a sea of shit, are we assuming? (laughs) Uh, You know, openly critical of McTominay's performance. And to be fair, Scott did not have his best game since he's been this run in the side. You know, he really struggled, gave away the ball a lot. Positionally, it wasn't there. No, I mean, no real standout performance apart from Matic, I'd say, you know, beyond that. You know, Sanchez and Pogba sat watching from the bench, you know, with the Pogba decision. I don't think it surprised too many people. And the Sanchez call, I'd say Mourinho got that completely spot on. I don't think Sanchez has really warranted his place in the side over the last couple of weeks or so. I think in this last week in particular, he really, really struggled. And I think it was right for him to come out of the firing line for a game. I'm surprised he didn't get any minutes at all. I think the problem is now is that in the wake of uh, United breaking up for the internationals, 
You've got tons of stories coming out after more public criticism of Shaw, reports of, you know, Pogba being at the French cap, being a bit unhappy. It's just all feeling a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it is unfortunate time. And I think that, you know, maybe there's a rift with a few players. Maybe there's not. But, you know, dropping a few high-profile players, you know, coming out with Shaw, like you said, you know, not having any football for a couple of weeks. You know, there's potential for stories to build and rumours. But on the other hand, you know, there's a, cl- a chance for a bit of a breakaway. Hopefully, next game we come back. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pogba and Sanchez both back in the starting lineup. First game back, maybe a break will do them the world of good. And, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe this will be the time that they start to fly. Yeah, that'd be nice. I, I mean, <laughs> the sure stuff, I guess we've got, well, yeah, I guess we've got to keep the sure stuff in context because, look, Mourinho is not the first manager in the last few years that has had a problem with Luke Shaw. You know, yep. Van Hal criticised his fitness instantly. And apart from that one stretch in his second season, just before the leg break, we haven't necessarily seen much consistency from him. And the repeated line that we've heard from United managers and the England camp, and you know, even one of Southampton's coaches, is that it's just a question of effort and application, isn't yeah. it? I don't know if um, his weight's coming into it at all. You know, I don't really want to speculate on that. But there's enough to suggest that it's not just Mourinho playing hardball. But the problem is with Mourinho playing hardball to such an extent, and given that he is publicly baiting one or two of his players and, you know, making examples of several of his more high-profile stars at the moment, it's just not a good combined look, really, is it? It's one of those situations where... If Mourinho gets the results, then it justifies the means. But he's not getting what he needs from a lot of these players to justify such extreme public measures. So you do start to wonder, with this just sort of wild swinging, picking fights with everyone, just where his head is at. Because at the minute, he can't be particularly happy with what he's seeing. And his players don't seem particularly to be playing under him. You know, a great way for us to get... Well, I say, I say a great way. It was great for us to get past Brighton into the semi-final. I think the thing is now, considering that we've got Spurs, it's now just a case of seeing where United can take this semi-final tie. You know, I'm not really bothered about the fact we're going to be playing at Wembley. Spurs are going to be a little bit more used to it. Fair enough. You know, that's just the luck of the draw. That's just something you can't really plan for. But I think it's, in some ways, the most difficult... Well, actually, no, I think in many ways, it's the most difficult draw we could have gotten out of the three. And it's not impossible to see United win the FA Cup. We're more than capable of doing so. But you just wonder about Spurs and Chelsea, who are in a very similar position to us. They're out of Europe... They are not going to win the league. It's now a case of fighting for a top four spot, making sure they seal qualification in the Champions League and winning the FA Cup essentially as a means to try and put a cherry on top of a rather disappointing season, really, isn't it? True. I think, you know, if, say, Spurs go and win the FA Cup and finish top four, that for them would be a very successful season. You know, given that there's been all this talk about Pochettino, you know, oh, he's not won a trophy, he's not done this. Whereas for us, it would definitely be, you know, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the FA Cup of a lot of respect for it, and I would be delighted if we could win it. But I think given how we went out of the Champions League and how we haven't been in a title race at all, basically, um, winning the FA Cup would be a great day. Um, and, it would, you know, it's always great to win and it's a great achievement, but it would be, I don't think you can you could consider the season as a whole a massive success based on that alone. 
No, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think it would paper over the cracks of what we've seen. You know, Matic even alluded to that. You know, it wouldn't be a successful season, but it would at least make it a good season, I think he said, yep. which it's true. And that's not to sound spoilt or anything. As you said, I would love to win the FA Cup. And I'm sure if we managed to get that far and, you know, presumably beat Tottenham and then we would presume Chelsea in the final, which would be a very, very interesting occasion with Mourinho up against Conte Definitely. and his old side to win a trophy. Can you imagine the shithouse in that <laughs> final? That would be wonderful. Oh, it would be amazing. I would absolutely be there for the drama for that one. <laughs> now, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know, there's still plenty of league games left to play this season. And, you know, I think essentially we are playing for pride at this stage because, you know, we are trying to finish as high at the table as possible and show some progress from last year. And unless we have a catastrophic meltdown within the next sort of five or six weeks, we should finish second or third unless Liverpool just surge past us, which... Yep. I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't put it past them at this stage. You know, they are, they are looking quite unified, which is not necessarily something you could say for us at the moment. But I guess we'll leave it there for now, Phil. I mean, I think it's it's an awkward place to kind of stop this run of fixtures because, you know, going back through this pod in particular, you've got the surprise of coming back from 2-0 down against Palace, mm. the, you know, the enjoyment of beating Liverpool in, you know, what was for a good sort of 45, 50 minutes, a really good team performance, which showed some really good attacking signs. And you've got Sevilla, and then you've got this kind of, I don't know, it's so, so weird to think about winning an FA Cup quarterfinal at home as a really, really flat occasion. But that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah, I think, especially in the first half, there seemed to be some kind of intent to kind of play through the middle and try to play, you know, fast attacking football. But it just wasn't working. It kept falling apart as soon as we got anywhere near the box. You know, I can I can see why um, Mourinho picked out Matic as you know the star player because he was he was doing a lot of passing through the lines, quick passes that were finding people to their feet. But it was from there there wasn't much happening, and the only kind of chances before the goals we were getting were from some good crosses from Martial, and so you would you know you would think if we were going to get something it would be from that, and in the end that's the way it was. It was two crosses, two goals. Other than that, there wasn't much created at all you know luckily uh, we had Lukaku on the back post to stick in a great header Ashley Young after me ribbing him on the last podcast about his set piece delivery sent in a cracker and Mm -hmm. I think there was three players queuing up to finish that one but yeah overall play there just wasn't much there to get excited about or not, not even excited it's just about the belief of being able to improve from what we've seen in recent weeks apart from you know Liverpool gaming as the exception even the Palace one, it was tough until the comeback. You know, it's, it's just hard to see where we're going to suddenly kick into this next gear. And I, and I don't know that we will this year, but we never really did last year. And we struggled through to a Europa League final and won it. So if we can somehow do that for the FA Cup this year, you know, that's the best we can hope for from the season, I kind of think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I agree. I, I would be surprised if we, as you said there, kick into high gear between now and the end of May. You know, I think it's going to be a tall order, not because we don't have the players, but because I don't think there's a combination of the right mindset and Mourinho being able to turn that around suddenly. You know, there's, there's, it's not like we're suddenly going to start playing like we were at the start of this season within these, this last sort of five or six weeks. That's just not going to happen. If it does... I mean, I'd love to tempt fate. I'll tempt the f*** out of fate right now. I do not care. That'd be wonderful. I would, it would really give us some optimism and enthusiasm going into next season. Whether or not we win the FA Cup, to just know that we have turned a corner in terms of the way we're playing and yep. that we're 
we're just playing more enjoyable football because it can't be much fun for them at the minute. No. But the likes of Martial, Lukaku, Rashford, Lingard, Sanchez, Pogba. I mean, Lukaku's coming out of this season with a lot of credit. In terms of that forward line, he's arguably going to be the one whose you know, CV has given the most sheen purely yep. because he's scored 25 goals. And especially in the latter half of this season, he's done a really good job of getting himself more involved in play, rounding out a few more qualities and just consistently sticking the ball in the back of the net. And you wouldn't bet against him getting 30 goals between now and the end of the season, which would be a wonderful achievement for him. And, you know, just show that he is one player who Mourinho potentially has actively improved. And, you know, there's several other of his colleagues. It's just a shame that that sort of improvement isn't necessarily mirrored across the board. But yeah, you know, what we'll see between now and the end of this season it's going to be very, very interesting because it's going to be a leading point into the summer and whatever business we carry out then. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are numerous casualties for this squad, people who have been, you know, branded quote unquote Deadwood yeah. and several of the squad players. And there might even be a high profile casualty or two in the attacking sense because I wouldn't put it past Mourinho to offload, you know, a particular fan favourite based purely on the virtue that he doesn't trust that he can get the best out of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it foresee it being a particularly comfortable summer with that regard, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll simply see how we go with that one, and hopefully we've got something to shout about between now and the end of May. Do you think it's doable for us to lift the FA Cup? I, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've beaten Spurs and we've beaten Chelsea this year. Of course, they've also beaten us. Yeah, this that, year. that's that's the other side of it. You know, so I wouldn't be wavering on the side that yeah, we're definitely going to do it, but it's it's definitely doable. Personally, I think Spurs are, is the biggest hurdle. So if we get past them into the final, I would fancy us against you know either of the other teams. Mm-hmm. But the, the semi-final has now turned into the biggest game of the season. We've got about a month between now and then, I think. So you know we'll see see what happens then. Hopefully we'll be going into it on a bit of form with no stupid injuries. Hopefully Eric Bailly will be available to play. You know, say we have De Gea, Bailly, Matic, and Lukaku all in good form. If that's all we have. We're in for a bit of trouble, but it's even with that, it's doable. You know, no one mm. would have fancied us to beat Liverpool last week, but luckily it was Rashford pulled out the goals, um, and there was a you know a decent team performance. It wasn't an absolutely amazing performance, but it was enough. And if we have a few players on form, a few players who have a good day, then it's doable. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Spurs game is quite... It's good in the sense, from Mourinho's perspective, in the sense that that sort of narrative suits him. Backs against the wall, playing a team who's regarded as more attacking and more talented and coming into the game in a richer vein of form, you would suggest. And that sort of framing that setting really suits him that he i think he gets off on that sort of stuff <laughs> definitely so it it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out with an attitude and setup that is designed to frustrate spurs and maximize you know united's you know what well, shithousery qualities you know we we can definitely get through that game if we approach it in the right way yeah. i don't think we're capable of blowing spurs away but I think we can beat them. Whether yeah. or not we will is a different story. And guess one will be answering in a couple of weeks. But we'll leave it there for tonight, Phil. And there for this episode. Thank you very much for joining me for this last stretch, my friend. Thanks a lot, Ian. Right, guys. Thank you very much for listening to this mammoth, mammoth episode. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can get all of us all over Twitter. You can get Phil at Philmatic underscore. You can get James at Rittenoff underscore MUSC. You can get Rich at at RichardCan76. You can get me at at you and Lennart, and you can get the pod at at Red Voices M-U-F-C. And last but not least, our blog, www.redvoices.net. You have yourself a superb international break. We'll be back after it. Take care and goodbye.